the next thing you know, I have a co-teacher of mine that she's trying to lose some weight, and she's like, well, why don't you run a 5K? <laughs> I'm like, um, why? Dizruns Radio, episode 743, starts in three, two. Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Guys, uh, I know I've said this before, and uh, I'll probably say it again because you know me. I, I'd uh, you know go to the well and keep on keep on going back, right? But uh, one of the things that I've consistently fallen short of is my goal of sitting down and reading more. Uh, thankfully, there is Audible. Uh, I may not be reading as many books, like actually sitting there and reading, and as many books as I would like. But by golly, I've been listening to a lot of books of late. In addition to all of my podcasts that I listen to. I also uh, tend to plow through a couple of audiobooks each month, courtesy of Audible. And uh, if you haven't tried Audible yet, I mean, I don't know what you're waiting for. It is it is fantastic. No matter what kind of books you're into, whether it's it's fiction, uh, whether it's nonfiction, self help, personal development, business, religious stuff, uh, whatever, whatever topics might be interested to you. Uh, if if you're like me and go, gosh, I wish I could, I wish I could read. A little bit more. I wish I would carve out the time, make the time to sit down with a book and read. Well, if you don't, if you're not going to make the time, you know, you, you know as well as I do, you're listening to the podcast when you're out running and running errands and doing this, that, and the other. Uh, hopefully, you'll keep listening to the podcast. Hopefully, you'll keep listening to mine and, and maybe some others as well. But you know, why not mix a little audiobook in there as well? Help you learn something. Help you be entertained. Maybe a little bit of both. And uh, if you haven't tried it yet, try Audible today. Try it right now for free. For a, an entire month, you get it completely free. Um, no questions asked. If you want to cancel, super easy to do. You get a free book that you get to keep whether you, you stay on or not. And in order to do that, all you need to do is point your browser to disruns.com slash audible. Um, I guess if you probably go to audible, you can probably just try it for free anyway. I think they've, I feel like they have got that, that uh, feature out there. But if you want to support the show while you try it for free, go to disruns.com slash audible. That, that rolls a couple uh, shekels, actually a, a decent chunk of shekels. It's about uh, the, the price of one month of membership is what they pay me to refer you. And you get, you, like I said, you don't get charged anything. You get a book, whatever book you want, you get it for free. Uh, you get it to keep. And then if you want to stay on, which I'm I'm going to assume you're probably going to want to because it's 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 super useful. It's It's a great value. Um, then you get, you get charged $15 a month for one book, $25 a month for two books, which is the plan that I'm at. Uh, because like I said, love it, love reading, quote unquote, reading more, but getting some more books in my life that way. So check it out. Dizruns.com slash audible, support yourself, support the show at the same time. And let me know what book you get. Cause I'm always looking for the next great book. And if you want a, a recommendation, I'm happy to, uh, throw some of my favorites your way. No guarantees that you're going to like them because I do a lot of businessy stuff, a little bit of fiction, kind of some thriller stuff. The Gray Man series, if you haven't checked it out, highly recommend. Um, but uh, yeah, we'd love to know what you're what you're listening to on Audible when you have a second. Hopefully, when you try it out using disruns.com/audible. But uh, now, without any further ado, let's go ahead and dive in. 
to today's episode of the show. Hey guys, my uh, guest today is someone that started running just a, just a few years ago, and, and in a matter of you know three three and a half years, he's already lost over a hundred pounds. Uh, really kind of changed his life. But uh, weight loss isn't the only thing that has changed for him in the past few years of running. Uh, he's also uh, his reason for running has also kind of changed dramatically from being something that that you know he did to kind of did for himself, you know, to help improve his health and, and get uh, things back on the right track there. But now he's uh, even more so focused on what running, his running specifically, can do for others, and uh, especially a little four-year-old, uh, four-year-old little girl named Lily, which we'll get into all of that as we go. But uh, without any further ado, it's certainly a pleasure today to be able to uh, go a few easy miles and, and have some good conversation with Mr. Murray Collum. So thanks for joining us today, Murray, and welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Denny, for having me, man. I am so excited to be able to share uh, my story, but ultimately the story of Lily Baker and uh, the story of St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Yeah, certainly. Well, like I said, we'll get into all of that as we go. Definitely looking forward to it. And guys, if you want to uh, check out Murray and kind of get in touch with him and, and some of the things that he's got going on, obviously, like we said, we're going to talk about uh, some of it as we go here. But if, you, if you're compelled to uh, follow along uh, on Instagram at M-U-R-L-E-S, number 2007 m-u-r-l-e-s-2-0-0-7 on instagram on twitter at murdog that's m-u-r-d-a-w-g then the number 218 m-u-r-d-a-w-g-218 and uh, as per usual i have everything linked up in the show notes for today social media handles uh stuff for for saint jude's all all the good things disruns.com slash 743 is the link that'll take you back to today's show notes so Murray, the way we always get things started on on the show is the same same question everybody gets. It's the only uh, question that's the, that is the same one that everyone gets. But it's just to simply ask, what is your favorite distance to race and why? Uh, Danny, I knew this question was coming. Um, so I put a little reflection into this. I'm thinking, okay, what do I like to what do I like to run? Uh, so my favorite distance to race is the half marathon. I like the half marathon. Uh, the reason I like the half marathon is because it's not too far that it just takes a strain toll on your body like the the marathon or the ultra marathon does. Um, of course, I guess anything over 26.2 is an ultra, right? Right. Right. <laughs> so uh, when I mistakenly, uh, not mistakenly, but when it measures more than 26.2, I guess I've run an ultra. Uh, but anyway, the half marathon is... Um, the just the perfect distance it's not too far it's not too tolling on the body you can do multiple uh half marathons uh for training or uh throughout the year and it just your body recovers very well whereas the marathon i like to do one maybe two of those a year and just um not tax my body way too much that i can carry on everyday life um Mm -hmm. and you know don't have to run you know just two terrible long runs uh, throughout the weeks and still can spend time with my family. So I really like the half marathon distance. Gotcha. And that's, that's definitely been a, a pretty common answer for a lot of the, the reasons that, that you said, and, and certainly nothing, nothing that can be argued about there. Um, because yeah, it, it is, it is nice to be able to, to run a good hard half marathon and then still be able to walk around, still be able to, to do things with, with friends, family, whatever. If you're you know, visiting somewhere out of town to go w- walk around and experience uh, the, the location as opposed to run a good hard marathon. And you're like, yep, I'm, I'm good. Just uh, leave me alone for a few days. Cause I'm not, I'm not really feeling like moving at all. You're right. Exactly right. The marathon is just a beast in itself. And, and, you know, by the time, if you've done it right, you are, um, you're done, <laughs> you know, for a while. 
Yes, yes, that's definitely true. So, um, you know, like we, we talked about in the in the intro there a little bit, um, you know, got started running just just a few years ago and, and have lost uh, a considerable, substantial amount of weight uh, in, in those those few years. Congratulations on that. It's, it's, it's pretty amazing. But, um, you know, going back in time to, to before you got started, uh, you know, whatever it was, I think January uh, 2016, if, if I got my dates straight here, um, what was what was the, the spur that got you going? What was what was the reason to get started with running uh, just a few years ago? Right. Well, uh, really and truly. I got tired of bending over and trying to tie my shoes and getting out of breath. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a terrible thing. I did not like that. Uh, I couldn't even bend over and just like tie my shoes. I was just like, okay, I got to do something. And um, I had this little guy running around my house um, that at five years old, and I couldn't keep up. Mm-hmm. I was just like, okay, I got to do something. Um, and my dad um, had had um, six uh, six arteries that were clogged in 1999 and had bypass surgery. My wife was kind of on me to lose weight. And I was just like, you know, I really hadn't made up my mind. Even when I got on that elliptical for the first time in January, 2016, that I was going to stick to this or do this. And I was just like, okay, I got to do something. I was like, I can't have my five-year-old outrunning me, you know, <laughs> and, and, uh, I can't, you know, I can't keep on with this life of weighing 280 pounds. I said, you know, cause if I would have kept in the direction I was going, 300 was, you know, a few months away. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, you hear about the New Year's resolution. Well, I wanted a New Year's solution. And I was just like, okay, I got to do this. I got to, you know, I got to stick to it in this and, and just um, do this for my family. And um, so I could be available, you know, and not have the health risks that are, um, going to be coming very soon if I don't change the way I was doing things. I knew diabetes was probably right around the corner. I knew that bad cholesterol and, and those things that my dad experienced being overweight for so many years was going to be the path that I was going to be taking as well. And so I hopped on the elliptical and um, did that for a couple months. I, I went in two or three days a week to the gym, just getting on there 30 minutes. Um, and that took a toll. I was just like, well, this is, this is hard, mm-hmm. you know, um, to go in hard on the elliptical and, and next thing you know, I'm down 40 pounds within two or three months. And, and I was like, okay, well, exercise is something that I can do. Um, and so the next thing you know, I have a co-teacher of mine that she's trying to lose some weight and she's like, well, why don't you run a 5k? <laughs> I'm like, um, why? <laughs> uh, um, I, I'd never done one before, you know, I'd, I mean, who gets up on Saturday mornings when you can sleep and go run, you know, um, those are my day of rest for a reason. Uh, I said, okay, I'll do this. So, um, I was just like, all right, I'm going to get up. I'm going to, uh, go try to run a mile straight. I'd never done that before. I, I'd, just got out on my local trail. It's called the Tanglefoot Trail. It's in Mississippi. It's 42 miles of paved railroad trail. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I'm going to go out there and I'm, I'm going to run. Uh, so uh, my experiences were I didn't do it. <laughs> um, I, would, I would run as much as I could, and then I had to stop and walk. I'd run as much as I could, had to stop and walk. And so I went to my local wellness center. I was like, why can I not run a mile straight? And, you know, I was like, what is going on? She's like, well, you got to slow down and don't mm-hmm. just go all out at once. And, 
have to recover and just just go at a, a nice comfortable pace and, and see what happens um so i took the advice of the person there at the wellness center um and i went out one saturday morning and i ran an entire mile without stopping mm-hmm. uh just at a nice comfortable pace uh, around a i think it was around a 12 and a half 13 minute pace um and then next thing you know i was like well i've done a mile well let's try to do two so i keep going and i've done two miles next thing you know i've run three and i'm like i just ran a 5k in training for this 5k i'm going to run at a nice comfortable pace i'm like all right well i'm gonna uh okay i can do this and so next thing you know i mean it's like okay we'll keep losing weight you're automatically going to get faster um, and so I uh, ran that local 5K. It was called the Double Decker 5K. It was in Oxford, Mississippi, the home of the Ole Miss Rebels. And um, I went there in this very hilly location. And I ran that 5K and uh, actually did it in under 34 minutes. Mm-hmm. And so I just trained. And um, I guess I was around 210 to 220 at that point in time. Uh, when I ran that in 34 minutes, I'm just like, okay, well, this may be something that I can actually do. And I really liked the scene that I saw, that race scene. I was like, there's numerous people here. They're all out here on a Saturday morning. Um, there's food. <laughs> there's race treats. Um, and I really saw myself liking that uh, adrenaline that you got from, you know, racing against other people. And I was like, oh, well, I really like this. I guess you would, I don't think I'd ever experienced a runner's high at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, yeah, I, I, I like this race scene. I like getting to know all these people that are out here doing this. So it was something that, you know, I'm going to see if I can keep on doing this. And, and my brother has struggled with weight as well. And uh, so he said, well, what happens when you start running, you know, when you start gaining your, your weight back, um, you know, after I lost about 60 pounds and, and because we'd always gained our weight back, mm-hmm. both of us. And um, I said, well, I'm going to find another race to run. And next thing you know, it was always finding another race to run. So that was what I found that was going to keep the weight off. It was something I was committed to. And then the chase for PRs was just something <laughs> that was around the corner. Right, right. Um, going going back to something you said earlier that really kind of caught my caught my ear, and I'd love to, to dive into a little bit more is is the idea of um, a New Year's solution instead of a, a New Year's resolution. Um, because because yeah, I mean we've all we've all heard about resolutions or New Year's resolutions, uh, whatever you want to call them, goals for the for the year. Um, and we've all probably been been guilty of of setting something and thinking, yes, this is this is the year that I'm going to do X, whatever it might be, running or otherwise. Um, and you know, maybe we make it to to shoot. Maybe we make it to to the end of January. Maybe we make it into to February or March. But at some point, you know, it's it's easy to kind of lose sight of of the target, lose sight of the goal, lose sight of the the. You know, everybody fails at their resolution type of thing, and just whatever. Um, how did how did you was it was it simply the the difference of of wording that helped keep you on track, or, or how did you stay on track in those early days when, like you said, just being on the elliptical was was tough. Um, what what kept you going from from falling off the wagon like so many people do in in you know the first part of a year when they're trying to make some big change to their life? Right. Well, it, it's interesting you're asking that question because I think I just really found out the answer just in the last week or so. Um, for that, um, you know, as you reflect on your life at different points, uh, you begin to see 
and you and you look at other people's lives and why have they not been able to be successful in different things um i um uh, before i started running um i focused all my energy on uh, Christian ministry, and what I was doing was I was um, putting together Christian uh, concerts in our local community, and I was going and asking for donations and and uh, using marketing and PR to get donations for Christian ministry. Well, uh, my partner uh, decided to take a break from that, and it was not something I really could pursue on my own. And so, really and truly, I just changed the tools, uh, changed the my viewpoint uh, of what I was going to be doing and I focused my energy more on the running and the discipline with running and exercising and my diet and nutrition. Um, so really and truly I had the tools in the toolbox. I just changed focus. And so I went from um, glorifying God in, in, in the, my Christian ministry that I was doing to glorifying God through uh, and serving others through my running and my exercise. So I just really changed um, my viewpoint and change my purpose that used the same tools that I've been using in other aspects of my life because the tools were in my toolbox. I just had to use them for something different. And so I think once I found that, um, that new thing that I wanted to go after with everything I had, you know, and I am a very goal oriented person. I just changed it around and changed focus. Gotcha. So what, can, can we dive into a little bit of what what the tools were? Because I'm, I'm thinking, you know, whether it's it's myself or somebody listening, like if, if they, you know, kind of have been struggling with with goals or whatever it might be, um, always love to hear kind of how people stay on track, especially in the early days when things are are a little bit of a of a struggle. So what what tools were you using? Well, I really had to look at the science of it. Like I'm very logical minded, and so I really had to look at the science of what you know of exercise. So um, I started researching a little bit. My fitness pal was uh, that's. Uh, you know, I don't know if people are familiar with My Fitness Power or not. It's a nationwide app that you can get, you know, and it's um, made by Under Armour. Mm -hmm. And basically, I would log my food every day. And uh, I would want to exercise enough to get a deficit each day. And so, um, you know, when you're, when you're heavy, of course, you burn more calories. Well, so what I was looking at was, okay, if I'm taking in 2,000 to 2,500 calories a day, and I'm burning, you know, 700 to 1,000 per day uh, with your running or your exercising. And, you know, every day was not like that, obviously. But my goal was to burn 7,000 calories a week. And when I did that, I uh, did a little research and it said that 3,500 calories was equal to a pound of fat. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, 7,000 was two pounds. Um, and so I was thinking, okay, 2,000 pounds, of, you know, uh, excuse me two pounds a week, right. 7,000 calorie deficit in the week. And that would, um, in turn, um, equal a two pound weight loss and consistently per week. And so that was what I would, I looked at the science. And so I would try to streak, um, mm. in my fitness pal and, and log every day. And, um, I, when I ran the Memphis St. Jude Marathon um, a couple of years ago, my streak got interrupted because I didn't. They always look at it on a Friday, and uh, they always loop it on Friday at midnight, and I did not put it in until Saturday, the carb load I had from mm -hmm. the night before. Uh, and so I'm like, 
Oh, I, uh, but I've actually logged into my fitness pal over a thousand days in a row. Wow. And wow. so it was just something that I did consistently every night before I go to bed or when I have time during the day, I log the meals I've eaten. I want to know what calories I've put in my body. And of course, as you get more into exercise and nutrition, you start looking at your macronutrients, seeing if you get enough protein, um, seeing how many carbohydrates you're taking in. And just having a balanced approach and not just starving myself from everything. If there's a mm -hmm. birthday party, I eat birthday cake. Right. I just don't eat that much. I mean, I eat one small slice. Um, I don't do, and that was one of the things too. I didn't, I didn't do like the fad diets where you're, you know, um, not taking any carbohydrates or you're eating a whole lot of fat or, you know, vice versa. I had a balanced approach um, that was really modeled after, you know, Weight Watchers and, and uh, my healthy plate. And, you know, I got everything I wanted mm -hmm. and I stay away from those things. I just don't, I watch my portions. And, you know, I, I would tell you now that I probably eat more than I did whenever I was 280 pounds because I'm burning it off at right. such a rapid rate, my metabolism being so high. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, um, yeah, I, I love that idea of, of almost kind of, um, you know, really breaking things down and, and instead of, you know, having this goal of I'm going to lose 60 pounds, 80 pounds, a hundred pounds, it's like, you know, I'm going to keep my calories under, you know, keep, make sure I'm, I'm having a deficit or, or whatever it might be, but you're tracking, you're, you're tracking the things that you can control on a, on a bit more of a daily basis. And then, you know, a thousand, a thousand days of tracking later, like, you know, the, the difference is pretty obvious. Right, right. Over um, 115 pounds before I started putting back on weight from strength training, uh, getting to a healthy weight and, you know, having a good um, percentage of body fat, you know, a healthy percentage of body fat and muscle. Gotcha. Gotcha. So uh, back to back to kind of some of the, the running story, the, the, the journey that's, that's gotten you to where you are today. You finish the first race and, and you're talking to your brother and you say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to start kind of finding, you know, finding the next race and keep moving from, from race to race, um, chasing right. some PRs and whatnot. How, how, how competitive are you uh, with, with the clock and trying to chase the PRs? Is that something that really kind of sounds like it kind of gets you going pretty good? Oh, yeah. Uh, so as I mentioned earlier, I'm an adrenaline junkie. So I like the dopamine high, obviously. Um, and so... Um, I, that was something that was really, you know, a big deal for me. Um, the first race was in April that I ran, and the next one was actually in July in Mississippi mm. on the Indian Reservation in central Mississippi. It's called the Reservation Run. Um, it's on the Choctaw Indian Reservation in Philadelphia, Mississippi. And uh, I was chasing a, a sub-30-minute 5K, and, and uh, I was not successful. So, I mean, it was, a, you know, in my book – a goal not met, mm -hmm. I wouldn't say necessarily a failure because other races will come. And basically, since it was a 90 degree day, you know, uh, in just the heat, the, you know, my heart rate got too high and I just wasn't able to perform the way I needed to. Uh, obviously, knowing that now, I didn't know that then. Right. Um, basically, I had to wait to better conditions to be able to PR. And so I ran that next race, which was Tallahatchie River Run in New Albany, Mississippi. Um, in September, the temperatures were a little cooler, um, and I was just like, I'm going sub 30. <laughs> and so I went sub 30. It's a funny story. You know how you get as runners, and I'm not trying to be facetious or mean or anything, but uh, I was like, I was coming down the hill in this race, and at the end, going towards the finish line, I could see the finish line of the site. And there's this, there was this teenage girl and her father, and they were running together, and I was like, 
not just gonna let that teenage girl beat me. <laughs> <laughs> and so I kicked in the high gear and I sprinted through the finish line and I finished in a few seconds over 27 minutes. So not only did I do sub 30, I, I literally crushed it by three minutes. Mm -hmm. And so that set that personal record. Um, and at this point I had not even run over five miles. And so, you know, I did that with a very small base. And so, you know, it was just one of those things where, you know, I, I wanted to get better and the running bug had bit me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm going to assume then at, at somewhere around that point, um, you start to, to ramp up the miles or, or at least ramp up the mileage a little bit, build a bit, bit uh, stronger base. What was, what was it like going to, you know, from, from running whatever, three, four miles, maybe five miles, something like that to start right. eyeballing some, some bigger races, some, uh, you know, whether it's 10 miles, half marathons, whatever, what was, what was kind of the, the progression up for you? Well, um, my wife actually mentioned the St. Jude, uh, Memphis uh, Marathon weekend to me. Um, she said, "Hey, they have a 5K, 10K, half marathon, a marathon." Obviously, I'll never run a marathon. That's not going to happen. <laughs> um, and so, uh, I, 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 all of my running buddies, they say, "You skip the 10K," and mm -hmm. I did. I went from um, a five, uh, you know, running five miles. I actually ran like 5.63 miles in training, and next thing I, uh, I ran was an eight-mile race. And so I skipped the 10K mark altogether um, and uh, ran a 10K race in Oxford. Um, it's called the Chucky Mullins 8-miler, and they did a half marathon now, and they have a 3-miler as well. And um, so I ran that race, that 8-miler, and my wife's like, you know, you've run 8 miles already, and you're only doing a 10K in Memphis. You got some, you got a couple months, you know, left. This is early October, and you know, the, the race is not till December. And, and she's like, why don't you see if you can do the half marathon? See if they have any spots left. And luckily somebody had backed out. I called St. Jude and, and, um, and they said, yeah, we'll upgrade you from the 10 K to the half marathon. And, uh, I was only fundraising, a um, a little bit of money at that point. Um, because my wife is actually a St. Jude survivor. Um, mm. she had, um, retinoblastoma, um, which is cancer of the retina, um, as a, a baby, uh, her eye was removed actually, um, at three months. Wow. And so she's lived all her life with a prosthetic eye, uh, and she's been very successful. Um, she, and, you know, say Jude basically gave me the gift of my wife and my children that being able to basically cure cancer. And so, you know, saying G was something that was special to me. And um, I was just like, you know, I'm going to do this for her. So that first year when I was raising money to run that half marathon, um, you know, it was all about her and doing it in honor of my wife. Mm. For those that aren't familiar with with St. Jude, I just want to maybe take, pause on on your story just for a second, and maybe shine some light on on the the hospital and, and the mission of, of St. Jude. So could could you uh, give us a I mean you know the, the quick the Cliff's Notes version of uh, what the St. Jude's Children's Hospital is is all about, what their mission is. Right. Well, St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital is um, the main campus is in Memphis, Tennessee. There's a couple other hospitals in the United States and uh, clinics across the world. And basically, they uh, have the mission to treat childhood cancer and find a cure for all forms of cancer um, without families having to pay and without families having to, um, 
you know, have to worry about the stress of life while their child is actually going through cancer and treatment and radiation and different things that come along with that. And so it's all expenses paid. Uh, uh, the family never receives a bill. Mm. And literally, when my wife's cancer in 1983 took her eye, the chances of her survival was slim to none in 1983 if they did not remove that eye. Mm. Today, that same cancer has a 95% cure rate. Wow. And there's a little boy in my hometown where, um, who has literally kept his eye with the same type of cancer just in uh, 2015. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's one of those things where they have progressed, they have cured, um, you know, uh, increased the cure rate of several types of leukemia, uh, different tumors that they are able to operate on and, and remove and, and just all of that without having to, the families having to pay any of the expenses for travel, food, different places in Memphis, like the zoos and Graceland and different things like that. They don't have to pay for any of those things. Mm -hmm. Memphis just rolls out the red carpet for this hospital and the children and families of, of this, um, uh, who had experienced things like cancer. Gotcha. Gotcha. And that's one of those things that I think all of us can, can get behind and, and, uh, appreciate, what what they're doing and and obviously you know helping helping kids that have cancer. I mean that's something that uh, everybody's you know anybody with with a heart is like yes that's that's a good thing to do. Um, so so right. you get connected with them with 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 the organization a bit obviously through your wife a personal connection there. Um, but then it's it's gone a little bit deeper. How did you get connected with with Lillian and having you know now it's not just your wife who was treated there when she was a child. Obviously before I'm assuming at least before before you knew her before any of that kind right. of came about. Um, now now there's a little girl that, that you're running for um, who's who's I don't know if she's still in treatment there or been there. But but how did how did Lily come across your path? Well, um, I was of course you know uh, I followed uh, numerous pages medical pages on on Facebook and. Um, on my newsfeed uh, popped up, um, one of my friends from high school popped up on my newsfeed and um, his little girl, who was at the time three years old, all of a sudden has leukemia and uh, she's at the hospital at St. Jude. And so I started reading about her story and I was just like, oh, this is devastating. You know, I was like, how, you know, now I'm sitting here watching somebody go through, you know, having to go, going to have to go through treatment. Um, where my wife just had surgery, and she had numerous surgeries throughout her, her childhood, but, you know, she didn't have to go through chemotherapy and radiation. Where I'm sitting here, I have to watch a three- and four-year-old go through chemotherapy and radiation and, and their weekly uh, bouts with having to start these, this journey um, to a cure uh, for her leukemia. And, um, and so i went to oxford uh where they live uh, uh nicole baker lee baker and their child lily baker um and i was going to uh run uh a run there in oxford and behind me i saw a, a lady uh holding a little girl and i heard uh, I overheard their conversation i heard her say yeah this is lily and my name is nicole and i'm like is this is this is this lee's wife and daughter and um, and I turned around and introduced myself, and we just hit it off from there. It was a Fourth of July run there, and um, and we hit it off, and we started running races together and talking. And I was just like, you know, um, I'm already running for a team in Memphis this December, but um, I, I really, you know, 
really want to be on Team Lily if you decide to do anything um, come this next um, marathon weekend series. As far as fundraising for St. Jude, I, I would love to be on the team. And so um, we got together and we talked about it. And uh, so I was on Team Lily the next year. Um, and and when I ran the St. Jude Memphis Marathon, it was my second marathon, and, and I was on Team Lily, and I fundraised money for Lily, and uh, it was $2,500. And I was able to fundraise that and uh, for St. Jude and uh, in honor of Lily. Um, and then after that, um, I, like I said, I, I had bit the marathon bug. Mm-hmm. Um, and a couple of friends of mine joined me on Team Lily, and we all three ran the Memphis Marathon. And uh, so I looked at my friends, and they, you know, of course, at the finish line of a marathon, you're always planning for your next one. <laughs> it's not always daring it, obviously, especially the last, you know, 10K of a marathon. You're not always, like, planning for the next one. But we crossed the finish line, and we survived. This is our second marathon within – uh, about four months uh, of each other, and September and December, and we're like, okay, when's the next one? And so we start throwing around ideas, and we talked about the Chicago lottery, and, and none of us were really fast enough to get into the lottery at Chicago, or you know, we didn't think they were going to pull our name, obviously. And so we we're like, well, can we run Chicago for St. Jude? Mm-hmm. And uh, so we started researching. We called St. Jude up, and they're like. Yeah, we, we have contacts with them, and we, you can charity fundraise for Chicago. There's a team. You know, and we were like, well, we want to do it. And so um, we did that, and I said, hey, guys, I, I want you guys to meet Lily. I want to run Chicago Marathon for Team Lily, and I want to form Team Lily. I want you guys to run it with me. Uh, so I talked John and Vernon were their names, um, and I was like, let's, let's run Chicago. So we formed Team Lily Chicago on her behalf. And we raised nine thousand dollars for Team Lily Chicago last October, and we ran the Chicago Marathon, and it was an incredible experience. Uh, if any, if anybody has not run the Chicago Marathon, I encourage you do everything you can: charity fundraise for St. Jude, charity fundraise for American Red Cross, charity fundraise for for anybody. If you if you don't feel like you can get into the lottery, just apply for the lottery. See what happens. Mm-hmm. Run the Chicago Marathon. It is amazing. One point six million spectators. 40,000 runners. It's just an amazing experience in itself. And so we did that for Team Lily, raised $9,000. Um, and, you know, it wasn't the easiest, you know, um, route uh, for me to get to Chicago. Uh, my other two friends, uh, they got there okay. Uh, and uh, we got through the race. Um, and, you know, I did not get a chance to PR. Uh, I was very close. Uh, but it was just a, it just a great experience to be able to do that on behalf of Lily and, um, looking forward to more things that I'm currently doing for Lily and St. Jude. Well, and, and one of those things is, uh, running, running New York. And I, I kind of, you know, I, I almost chuckled a little bit to myself when you said that, uh, you know, the, the spectators and the size of the field in, in Chicago, which obviously, I mean, those are big numbers and, and great, but, um, from what right. I've heard, I've, I've not run Chicago nor New York, but from what I've heard, uh, those numbers kind of pale in comparison to what you'll get to experience, uh, at, at New York later this fall. And I cannot wait. It's <laughs> going to be amazing. So uh, one thing that I, I think you mentioned, and and please correct me if I'm wrong, Murray, but uh, you know you and you and these these couple of buddies, um, you know, 
are 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 working together to to you know you ran ran Chicago fundraising for Lily and and St Jude in general, um, doing the same thing with Chicago is and kind of the the goal is to do uh, knock out all six of the the marathon majors as well. Yes. Yeah, so uh, when we were in Chicago, I, I looked at the St Jude pe- people there and um, I, I told them I said, so what if the three of us uh, ran all six world majors for St Jude and they looked at us and they're like, y'all will be the first. Wow. And, and we were like, we all looked at each other like, okay, we want to be the first. And so the, she said, well, we're, um, we don't have a relationship with Tokyo yet. And, uh, and we said, we'll get that relationship. We have a few years. <laughs> <laughs> and so recently, I think they actually formed that relationship. So I think it's going to be something that we definitely get to do. Uh, but even if it's not through St. Jude charity fundraising, we're going to Tokyo, we're going to run it and, and we're going to say it's for St. Jude. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are going to do all six world majors, um, for St. Jude and, um, charity fundraising for them is what our plan is. And, and, uh, New York is stop number two. And, um, and we are planning to do, you know, when I run a marathon, I'm going to make sure it's, it's for, uh, St. Jude. And, you know, that's just where my heart is. Even if I, I do get to the point where I'm fast enough to start qualifying, I'm still going to charity fundraise for St. Jude. It's just, it's, it's what's, it's why I do what I do. Mm-hmm. It's why I go out and run every morning when I don't want to go up. It's why I go out 93 degree heat in the afternoons and, and run when I don't really want to. It's because there's a little girl and she's expecting me to continue to um, support her. And if she can go through chemotherapy and radiation and, and, and different things that come with her cancer journey, then I can go run a few miles in the heat or I can go run a long run on a Saturday morning. The, the pain and suffering is fails in comparison. Yeah, definitely. Do do you have a, uh, do you guys have a timeline for, for the rest of the races or is it kind of, um, I mean, obviously some, you know, I mean, any of these, these majors are, are, pretty big trips but you start getting to the international ones those are really big uh big trips right uh is there a a loose timeline in place yet well loose timeline is um within 10 years um and so uh we are actually uh i have my i have talked to my family and i told them that we would do disney uh (laughs) in which you can thank you fundraise for disney as well and we're going to do that um so i'm running that january 2021 so i'm going to take uh 20 20 off and just prepare for that January 2021 uh, marathon at Disney World uh, in Orlando. And then um, maybe late, you know, all the, all the international world majors are, you know, late year, mm-hmm. uh, maybe be able to recover and run uh, one of the world majors internationally. Uh, kind of have my eyes set on London uh, for the end of 2021. I really would like to do all of them by 2027, um, if it's all possible. Um, and it looks like we may be able to do it. Uh, you know, you just kind of left to look at the international thing and, and getting over to, you know, Berlin and Tokyo and, and the logistics and, you know, the fundraising costs will obviously go up. Mm-hmm. And um, because the fundraising cost for Chicago is, is $4,500, um, and then New York is $7,500 at the top level. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, then you raise that much money for the hospital. And then, of course, they set you up in hotels and transportation, different things of that nature that you get in return, obviously, um, through deals they have with the hotels and airlines and different things in the area. 
with uh with with the fundraising idea in in mind um I've I've had this conversation with with a few folks that are involved uh, with with charity running and, and raising money before, and uh, would love to would love to maybe dive into it a little bit um, in in some of the time that we have have left today, Marie. Um, the idea of of especially you know with with what you guys are doing with, with again what some of the other folks I've talked to have, have done where it's you know it's not like a one and done. It's not like you're doing one race. Hey, can you donate charity? Um, and that's it. I mean, you, you know, you got plans to do all six of these these world majors, uh, p- potentially other races. I mean, Disney fundraising for that, uh, whatever the case might be. You know, kind of going back to continually asking for for fundraising um, for for those that are maybe on the bubble. I mean, shoot, I've I've been kind of on the bubble, although I, I guess I've gotten off the bubble since I've, I'm doing uh, the Goofy Challenge at Disney this this upcoming year in 2020 as a, as a fundraise charity runner. Um, what are some of your your tips for for raising? raising the funds for getting out there. Um, cause you know, like, I'll be, be honest. I've said this before. I, I I've been a little hesitant cause I don't like to ask for, for money for stuff, even when it's for a good cause. It's just not something that, uh, comes real, real natural, real easy to me. Um, but how do you, how do you go about what's, what's your mindset when you go into raising money to, for St. Jude's to run a race? How do how do you kind of approach it and, and make sure that you're able to hit your fundraising targets? Right. Well, ultimately, it's telling the story. You know, um, Lily and I have a story. Um, Lily's mom, Nicole, and I have a story. You know, we we set out um, to um, run a half marathon together, and we came across the finish line together. And we were going to use that shot of us coming across the finish line, and we were able to, to get on television, do a news story, and then put that new story on social media. Um, we got PR contacts um, through local radio stations, and I told Lily's story on the radio. It's really telling the story of why you fundraise. Mm-hmm. You have to have a story. You know, people just, you know, yeah, people give to St. Jude in, in the southeastern area because they know about the hospital for the most part. Um, you know, people give to the American Red Cross because they know it's a a – organization that is is trying to help um you know people with heart conditions and 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 disaster relief and um so many different other things um that they do you know their story because they've experienced or had somebody in their own life that has had these experience with these charities so they they give ultimately it's uh, you know telling the story and then making that story available. Social media is such a valuable tool. Um, Facebook and Instagram um, are, are such valuable tools. You just basically share the story. You tell the the patient, in my case, Lily's um, you know, journey. Right now, Lily is literally in Memphis, Tennessee right now at the hospital, and she's receiving um, – she has 18 weeks left after day at 17 weeks left of chemotherapy and um she started off at 120 and now she has 17 left when she gets home today and so you know i'm gonna put a social media post up just telling hey this is um lily had it's got 17 weeks of treatment left uh she had week 18 today everything went great and showing some pictures that her mom sends me and you know asking people to donate hey would you be willing to donate 17 dollars in honor of her having only 17 weeks left putting those posts out there i cancer has touched my family you know obviously my wife but 
and I have both grandparents um, sets. Um, three of the four died of cancer. Um, the other grandparent died of a heart attack. Um, multiple people in my family have had bouts with cancer. And so, you know, I told their stories. I went through an 11-day journey telling of aunts and uncles and family members who have had cancer and sharing their stories on social media. And, and I had an enormous response from that. Uh, my mother uh, died at 56 of a glioblastoma brain tumor. And so telling her story um, and just telling these people's story of their journey and the point to get across is that this is important. And one day, if you're not already been affected by this, you will be. Yeah. And and just give a little bit, you know, give two or three dollars that you're going to go spend on a a drink at a restaurant or, or uh, you know, go, you know, this these two or three hours, you're going to get the red box, you know, that you're going to rent a DVD for. Give that two or three dollars somewhere else. You know, make a budget to give monthly and pledge, you know, whatever it may be. But just to basically tell the story and let them let them know that every little bit helps. And that's ultimately what I've done is just tell the story and let everybody know that every little bit helps. And eventually we'll all hear our goal together because it's, it's not me raising this money. It's everybody that supports me ultimately that is raising this money. Uh, yes, I give personally, but, you know, it's really it's other people who give. And that's ultimately what it's all about is giving and, and doing good for others. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's absolutely true. And, and, um, you know, there's, there's no shortage of, of great organizations out there. So if, if, you know, if there's something that you have a, a direct connection to, I'm going to assume at least that, that that you would agree as well, Murray, that that's probably the, the, the organizations that would be easiest to fundraise because the, the story is already built in. You've got that personal connection. So it's, it's easy to tie that in and, and, and share that story as much as possible. It is, and, and that's definitely right. Another uh, way that I have found is basically um, is advertising. Um, businesses love to be supported with organizations like St. Jude, um, uh, the Michael J. Fox Foundation is another one that you can run for. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's several organizations that businesses like to be associated with. And so what I did this past year, what I'm doing again, is I made a race tank up uh, with our Team Lily logo on the front, um, T-shirts, um, and basically said, hey, this ad, this is what you get on the back of the T-shirt. This is the size you get. This is the color it's going to be. Um, this is um, the social media thank you you'll get. This is the free t-shirt you'll get if you if you actually do so much and I did tier levels mm -hmm. and this is what you get for each tier level uh, if you donate and um, we'll sell this shirt and I made the commitment that the team uh, team Lily NYC or at that time team Lily Chicago we're going to do the same thing this year would wear it to every race that we run locally until the end of the year wow. and, and so um, we um, decided to do that and we sold, you know, a lot of t-shirts and we sold uh, a lot of race tanks. And then for uh, Team Lily Memphis, for the Memphis Marathon weekend, um, we all bought shirts for that and they sold ads for that. And that's how we help, you know, we basically sell on those ads, help boost our uh, fundraising amounts. 
Right. And that's, right. that's a, a, a great idea um, for anybody who's, who's, you know, you've got connections locally and in, in the, in the local community, whatever. Um, yeah. What a, what a great opportunity to, to help them promote themselves, but also, you know, raising probably some, I would imagine some, some decent chunks of money towards, towards the cause that you're raising for. Right. Definitely. You know, and, um, I want to share one more story yeah, go ahead. before we run out of time. Um, I want to share a story last year. Uh, of of Nicole. Um, Nicole was, uh, Lily's mom, was chasing um, a sub two-hour half marathon. And I, I'd run Chicago. And um, when I got back from Chicago, or as I was about to start Chicago, um, I got a video text message from Lily. And she said, do your best and, and bring me home a medal. <laughs> and so... Of course, when I crossed the finish line in Chicago, I asked for extra medal, and they wouldn't give it to me. I was like, there's 40,000 runners, and not all of them finish. You have extra medal, but I didn't get extra medal. <laughs> but anyway, I went home, and I got with the the Wilder Fitness Equipment in Palm Top, Mississippi, and, and where I'm from, and I said, hey, can you cut me a piece of metal? And I got with this uh, 3D printer guy and locally, and and he made me a sticker and uh, uh that was a replica of my metal he scanned my metal and i put it on that piece of metal and i put a ribbon in it and i sent it to lily with a chicago bear and she got her medal i'm doing the same thing for new york because she's going to have all six world major medals too mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway um and through this relationship that i formed with her mother and because her mother runs too um we said okay we're gonna um run sub to st jude memphis half marathon uh, in December after I run Chicago in October. And, uh, you know, as she's, we start off, we're, we're going real good. Uh, it rained that morning. The race had been delayed. And, um, if anybody has not been to Memphis, Tennessee, uh, or the Southeast, um, you may not understand this, but the clouds parted and the sun shined. And as a result, uh, um, you're in an oven and it's like being inside of a, a casserole dish with water and, and you're the chicken cooking. Um, and, and so the humidity rose. Um, so, you know, we're going in the eight thirties, the first few miles and, you know, we're hit, we're, we're going to do the two hour pace. And about mile four, she said, I, I, I can't. And it wasn't the ability and she had the ability it was the emotional toll of running in Memphis. It was the emotional toll of running this event. And I kind of backed off a little at that point, and uh, we were approaching the St. Jude campus, which is around mile five. And and my family uh, had access with my wife being a former patient. So my family's there. Um, Lily, unfortunately, was not able to get on campus because of traffic that morning being backed Mm -hmm. up. And, and so we're running through campus, and as we're running, um, Nicole is just in tears. You know, she's just crying, you know, and as she's running through campus, because at that point, she'd they already been through 60 or 70 weeks of chemotherapy, and it's just it's just taking an emotional toll on her, but she's running this half marathon for her daughter, and she just keeps going. And we go through campus, and, and we run some more, and, and I had everybody on that I knew on the tracker, and I would pull it open on my phone as I was running and seeing where everybody was. And so, you know, at different points, I would kind of just wait, you know, as I got ahead of her, you know, wait to her to catch up. And, um, 
She, I crossed the finish line at 2.11, and at 2.15, Nicole comes across the finish line, and her family, Lily had jumped in some mud puddles that morning. She got mm-hmm. dirty, so she was not at the finish line. And uh, and so she just basically collapsed in her, my arms, and I just hugged her because it had taken an emotional toll on her just from the journey that they had been through. And it was just like she relived Lily's journey up to that point in that 13.1 miles. And it's just one of those things where whenever you know, you're out there and you're like, do I really want to fundraise? Yeah, you want to fundraise. Yeah, you want to do charity running for things like that. And, you know, it's, you know, $7,500, you know, is, is a lot of money to run a race. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so, you know, when I think back to those memories I have running with Nicole through two half marathons, you know, and those, you know, those messages that Lily sends me, thanking me for what I'm doing, that's why I go run, you know, and it's just, that's the reason I charity fundraise for St. Jude, and it just means a lot. Gotcha, gotcha. Thank you for, for sharing that, Murray. And as we're getting to that point of, of wrapping up, you kind of maybe started to, to answer what I'm going to ask as a philosophical question today, but I'm still going to ask it. Maybe um, you can, you can, uh, either expand on some of the things that you just said, or maybe, maybe go a little bit different direction. I don't know exactly how you're going to want to go with it, but I'd, I'd be curious, you know, if, if you could maybe talk to obviously everybody that's, that's listening right now, uh, especially those of us, although I guess I'm, I'm kind of sort of not in that camp anymore that have never done a charity, uh, running event before I, right now I still haven't, but I'm on, the, I'm on the path to, uh, having, having done my first charity, uh, race in, in, a, in, in the beginning of 2020. Um, but for those that, that haven't done one before, um, for whatever reason, it, the reason is is completely irrelevant, but um, I, I would just just ask maybe you you to kind of expound a little bit on what what is the the reward. I hate to say it that way, but uh, hopefully you, you understand where I'm going with it. And hopefully the people that listen understand where I'm going with it. What is what is the reward that you have gotten as being a, a charity runner? What what um, you know. Obviously, you're raising money for for a great cause, and obviously, with with your connection with with Lily and her family, um, there's a very personal tie to it. But maybe more big picture, what is what is your your I don't, again? I hate to say it this way, but what is the benefit to you? What, what has been the, the most rewarding thing? Maybe that's a better way of saying it. What's been the most rewarding thing for you of being a charity runner so far in in the the, the amount of times and the number of races that you've you've raised money for St. Jude? Just the fact knowing that I'm a little bit responsible for people not having to pay for their treatments, mm-hmm. not having to pay for their meals, their travel to and from home. Um, on the way, um, I went to uh, Princeton, New Jersey uh, for work uh, recently, and um I uh, took a train to Hoboken. Uh, I've never actually stepped foot in New York State mm. uh, or New York City. Uh, and I didn't want to do it without my family for the first time when we, we run in November. And uh, so I took a train to Hoboken, New Jersey while I was up at Princeton. And um, I stood on that, that the Hudson mm-hmm. right there on the railing. And I formed a video. Uh, I made a video right there and telling everybody I was going to run New York city marathon for Lily and you know, the skylines in the background. And, um, I used that and of course to help fundraise. But as I think, uh, as I came home, you know, and as I reflect, 
um, there's been times that Lily uh, has not had the best, you know, days of treatment. Um, back um, in December, after the uh, half marathon weekend, marathon weekend at Memphis, uh, she actually got viral meningitis, and mm. you know, they were waiting. Uh, you know, they got news and they were facing reality that she may not make it through. And uh, I went, uh, I found that there was a, a little local 5K for her in, in mine and Lee's hometown. And I went back to my hometown, which is about 60 miles from where I live now. And, and I drove back down and um, I was so motivated. You know, it, it wasn't a competitive field or anything. It was it was a, a local church race. And, um, and uh, I was like, Lily's laying in a hospital bed at St. G right now. I'm fixing to win this whole entire thing. <laughs> I was like, I'm fixing to crush it. I am going to go through every bit of it. When I'm huffing and puffing, going up hills, I'm thinking of her. And that's what I did. And um, she was my champion laying in a hospital bed. And here I am. I'm going to win this whole race. And I did. And, you know, as I'm thinking about people who have never done this before and every charity fundraise, the rewards are knowing that you can keep going when they cannot. Um, and when they don't have the strength, you do, you do have the ability to keep going. You do have the ability to get through these things. It gives your race a purpose. It's just not the time that you're trying to be on the clock anymore. It is now you're thinking about the person that you're running for. You're thinking about the family members who you've had that have had about, in my case with cancer, you're thinking about the personal benefits of those memories, those those uh, instances where you've had time to touch somebody's life. And it just is a bigger reason to run. Mm -hmm. It's a bigger reason to wake up in the morning. It's a bigger reason than just chasing a number on a clock. It's a bigger reason than just going out there and hitting the elite status. So you can start making money and then turning around and using that money um, to make more money in the competitive racing scene. It's doing it for a reason that's bigger than yourself. Mm, 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 mm. Totally, totally agree, and I'm looking forward to uh, feeling that feeling uh, out on out on the course in uh, in a few months. Certainly feeling it already as I've I've done some some fundraising for it. And uh, thank you for sharing that, Murray. And hopefully that maybe gets a couple other folks to uh, to dip their toes in the fundraising uh, charity running aspect part of our sport um, and and experiencing. You know more, like you said, more than just chasing the clock, chasing the the time goals, chasing the distance goals that they might have. So, thank you for sharing that, guys. If you want to check out more, like I said uh, about Murray, connect with him and, and follow along uh, at m u r l e s two zero zero seven on Instagram at m u r d a w g two one eight. And if you want to join to donate to uh, Team Lily and, and Murray's fundraising goals towards uh, New York, we'll have that link in the show notes. Dizruns.com slash 743 is the link to get back there to donate, like I said, to connect with Murray as well. Uh, photos, the whole nine yards, everything from today's episode, Dizruns.com slash 743. So Murray, uh, thank you for taking the time to, to share a bit of your story. Thanks for sharing a bit of, of Lily's story. Um, and thanks for hopefully inspiring uh, a lot of us to, to do something uh, in this sport 
that is uh, for much more than just ourselves and, and being that, that part of that, uh, that process for somebody else. So thank you for all you're doing, my friend. Uh, certainly uh, hope you'll stay in touch and uh, you know, somewhere down the line uh, before you get to all six marathon majors, but uh, you know, maybe after New York or, or somewhere along the line, maybe, maybe in, uh, at Disney in 2021, we can maybe do this in person as well. But uh, thank you for uh, the time today and certainly wish you nothing but the best going forward, both in your running and in your fundraising. Uh, and if there's anything we can do to support the cause, please let us know. All right. All right, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right, guys. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode of the show. I hope you enjoyed the conversation between Murray and myself. And as always, I'd be curious to know what stood out to you from today's episode. What was what was that thing that we talked about today that uh, resonated just a little bit higher, a little bit higher frequency with you than uh, everything else from today's conversation? Uh, no shortage of good things for, for me today, or at least for me, from Murray today. Uh, but the, the thing that really stood out to me was from way back at the beginning of the conversation, talking about you know when Murray was getting, getting started with the running and the weight loss and really changing his life, and the idea of uh, a New Year's solution instead of a resolution, and then relying on a set of tools to, to be successful. And I, I don't know that it really matters as much what the specific tools are, but if you remember back when, when we were talking about it, uh, Murray talked about how he used things that he was familiar with, systems and uh, just the science and logic and, and things that were, were very tangible to him to help him get started, make the, the commitment, stick with it, and obviously fast forward to today how far he's come. And I know that for me, maybe this is for you as well, but I know that for me, I can get a little goal happy sometimes, you know, and, and I, I enjoy, I appreciate setting a big goal uh, because, you know, sometimes, sometimes you set something that, that's a bit uh, ridiculous, a bit borderline impossible, but because you set a big goal, because be, at least for me, because I was brave enough to hopefully set a brave goal, maybe a foolish enough, better way of saying it, uh, foolish enough to set a big goal, I ended up getting farther ahead than maybe I would have if I would have set something that would have been a more reasonable goal. You know, the whole aim for shoot for the moon. And if you miss, you're still among the stars kind of saying where, you know, you might not hit it dead on, but you know, you, you did better than you would had, had you set a lower target. But the idea of using tools, using things that you're familiar with, that really stuck to me. Uh, because like I said, I like to set some big goals. Sometimes I get a little ambitious with trying to set too many goals, trying to do too many things. And I think that that sometimes that can lead to, you know, obviously missing the mark, not hitting, not, not delivering what I anticipated or hoped for, or tried to hold myself to. Um, and I think if you can have some, if I, if I would do a better job of putting some tools in place or using some, some tools, some logic, some systems before I get locked in on the goals and really kind of formulate and going, all right, if I'm going to, you know, like I talked about in an email the other a couple weeks ago, if you, if you read my emails, um, this idea of I'm going to, you know, have my next book written by the end of, by, by sometimes this, sometime this fall, that was a goal. I thought that was, that was realistic. And maybe it is realistic if I were to, you know, stop doing everything else. If I was to not put a new, a new podcast episode out, if I was to, to stop checking in with my, my athletes, the, the people that I coach on a regular basis and kind of let them fend for themselves so I can just focus on the book. Well, yeah, then I could turn the book around in a few months. But if I'm not going to do either of those things, which I'm not going to do either of those things, then the goal of, of setting, of, uh, of writing a, another book and having it published and ready to go in four or five months, 
not very realistic. But I just got caught up in, in the excitement of, yeah, I could, I could maybe do this. I could probably get this done. And started flapping my yap about it, trying to you know put, my pressure, put some pressure on myself to hold myself accountable. When if I had just taken a step back, looked at what realistically, you know, look at the, at the schedule that I, that I keep, what, you know, the, the things that have to be done for work and for, for life as well. Maybe that puts me in a better position to set a more realistic goal of, yeah, I'm going to start writing the book. And by such and such a date, I want to have the first draft done. And, you know, maybe I want to look around and see about, about getting it actually proper published instead of self-publishing. I don't know if I'm still debating on that, but I, I hope that what I'm saying is coming true. That my, my takeaway from talking to Murray today was just this idea of, of looking at the situation instead of just having the big shiny goal. Yes, have the big shiny goal, but then look at the systems, look at the tools, look at the, the situation that you're in. What's, what's, you know, maybe borderline beyond realistic, but what's, you know, what's not completely impossible and use that to help make steps towards your goal. Um, something that, that, uh, I need some work at, but I'll get there. I'll get there. I'm starting to recognize that I can't try to do everything all at once and expect that everything is going to happen perfectly. So I guess maybe that's the first step in the right direction. But anyway, I don't know if this makes any sense, but that was my takeaway. Just utilize the tools, utilize your strengths when it comes to setting goals, whether it's new year's resolutions, whether it's, you know, your next race goal, whether, whatever it is, utilize your strengths, utilize the things that you're familiar with to help set yourself up for success so that you can have a, a new year's solution instead of a new year's resolution, uh, the next time you set a big goal for yourself, that's something I'm going to work towards. And, uh, maybe that might be something you need to work towards as well. But as always curious to know what stood out to you from this episode, let me know. I'm at Dizruns on Twitter. I'm at Dizruns on Instagram as well. Feel free to shoot me a message, tag me in a post, whatever the case might be. And let me know your takeaway from today's episode. You can also send me an email, Dizruns at gmail.com or head on over to the show notes for today's episode. Dizruns.com slash 743 is the link. We'll take you right there. We got all the photos, all the things from, from the conversation today, contact information, ways to connect with Murray, all the good stuff. Dizruns.com slash 743. And while you're there, Scroll on down to the bottom of the page. Leave a comment there as well with your feedback, takeaways, or anything else that is on your mind. So with that, we'll go ahead and uh, pull the, start pulling this ship into harbor. Thank you guys for listening. As always, certainly appreciate it. Appreciate the support. And for real though, if you haven't tried Audible yet, what are you waiting for? And and yes, there is a little bit of selfish motive to that because if you use my link, disruns.com slash Audible, yes, I, I do get a, a little bit of a kickback from Audible. It doesn't cost you a penny. Uh, get a little kickback from from Audible, I guess from Bezos, right? From, from Amazon itself uh, for sending you there. But seriously, I was skeptical when I first tried Audible. I'll, I'll admit, I was my plan was to, I'll, whatever, I'll take advantage of it. I'll get a, I'll get a book for free and, and whatever. I'd rather read a book than listen to a book. But y'all, I am a convert. I am a convert. Uh, love love having you know some some different types of books to listen to. Uh, I don't even know how many books I have now. 30, 35 books, something like that. Um, and I think I've paid for like one or two outside of the monthly fee where you know the books cost more than what your breakdown is most of the time with that, that monthly uh, membership price. So you're getting a deal on the books. You're getting a chance to read more or at least have books read to you more, which I don't know if it's quite the same thing, but it certainly helps. It certainly helps. And you can you know dabble in some different topics, different genres that might be of interest to you. So check it out. Dizruns.com slash audible. And uh, with that, thank you all for listening. Thanks for telling others about the show, spreading the word. Uh, things keep going and growing. And it's, uh, it's, it's way more to do with you 
than it is to do with me. So thank you for all the support, all the love, all the, the kind words, the blog mentions, the social media mentions, all that good stuff. It means a lot and it definitely helps to move the needle. So thank you all for all that you do. And until next time, be well, take care. Thanks again for listening and we'll talk soon. All right. Take care guys.